yes, so let's so, talk short stories. So in November, we all met at Ian's lunch in Dublin and yeah. we said to you, here, we're thinking about doing an anthology. What do you think? I love anthologies. And then 1,000 stories later. <laughs> Which is an incredible amount to get, yeah. isn't it? Yeah. And you read all of them. I read all of them, yeah. And then um, we... And then we got it down to 30, and then that went in front of a reading panel. And was it hard to whittle it down to 30? Was it, was there? Yeah, um, what, I went through the thousand, and every, every one that I thought was a maybe, I put in a maybe file, and... Um, How many maybes were there? There were about 200 maybes. Wow, okay. <laughs> My God, right. But, I mean, some of those maybes were probably a point whenever I couldn't really think straight anymore and yeah. so, um, probably come back so I had to come back to the maybes for a couple of yeah there, yeah I mean when I think about the stuff that we had to say no to is you know by really really good writers that just it, there was all sorts of reasons though because mm. I mean there were things like you know um, how many stories in an anthology can you have from a child protagonist's point of view or how many exactly. you know, there's sometimes there are I think things I have which are done, just overlapping. I have filtered for short story competitions before and I was blown yeah. away, not in a good way, by, you know, the the repetition of themes, how yeah. much people write about death, for instance. Yeah. I've done it myself yeah. in my collection. There's a dementia fad at the moment in the yeah. short story world. Everyone is writing about dementia. Yeah. Um funerals, dementia. Yeah. Um, the loss of love. Very few people actually write, which I find amazing, about workplaces, for instance. There's a real shortage of that, and you have one in yeah, there. Yeah. Detachment. Detachment by Jared McKeown. Yeah, yeah. I, th- I found that really, really funny and very interesting. Yeah, and, and, um, and that's such a, a that story really, um, that theme of detachment occurs in different ways a lot throughout the stories, so that whenever we were trying to think of a uh, a title for the anthology we kept coming back to detachment we're like well we can't call it that obviously but like you know we kept coming back to that because that that sort of sense of that sort of dysfunctional human relationship on a day-to-day basis and mm. kind of tuning out of it or tuning out of everything and just going through the motion comes back a lot yeah. i think well essentially i think the short story is about is about pain it's about human relationships not working something not going wrong mm. and then it's about the, it, about it's something going wrong rather then it's about the drama of what happens when you're not functioning properly and life is going against you you set out mm. to do one thing and life will throw obstacles in your way constantly and that's the short story is perfect for that yeah well, it's very it's a very dramatic form as well as a very mm. moral form yeah. i find you know it really does scrutinize human behavior very very closely under, under the lab yeah, um, Jan Carson's lens. talking about that. About um, she's talking about frames at the minute. Yeah. So like giving you this glimpse, like through one kind of view into things, where you're you're kind of focusing down on one sort of scene or one set of relationships or whatever in such a s- sort of focused way that mm. maybe you can go deep into it into like there's an intensity in it which you couldn't sustain for a whole novel. Yeah, yeah, and then I've seen novels that are like a lot of the shorter novels that are being mm. um, published by small presses. Say, for instance, or a lot of the fiction in translation will have that intensity yeah. to their novels. They're really tiny, but yeah. they'll be very, very intense. Um, mm. In the way that Muriel Spark is, yeah, Noelle Boyce yeah. got all her gorgeous books in at the minute. They are so beautiful, by yeah. the way. I want the whole set, yeah. but you know, very intense um, stories like that. But I love the short story for the for its intensity. And because it does examine human behavior so very closely mm. and 
the novel is just the ripple effect from that going out yeah. and out and explaining the reasons why and yeah. the backstory and Sam Thompson mentioned that when he when we were chatting um, he said he felt that when he was writing short stories he could leave things unexplained it's easier to do that obviously you can still do that in a novel but there's more of a kind of desire to have things maybe tied up a little bit more in a novel or everything has to be explained in, in a novel yeah, in, the, in the short story you can you can just leave it that way and you know you can because I think the short story works on the subconscious far more than novel writing does or longer work does do you mean when you're writing it or reading it or when you're reading it when writing and reading I think the short story mainly is about the unsaid what's what's supposed to be about the unsaid I didn't do that in my book I just Oversaid. I just kind of took the opposite approach, but it is about what's in between the lines. And Wendy Erskine's very, very good at that. Um, mm-hmm. As is Claire Keegan, I went back and read some of her mm-hmm. short stories, which I didn't like when they originally came out because I wasn't that interested in rural Ireland. As somebody kind of grown up in modern Ireland, I couldn't care less about the rural mm-hmm. um, aspects or whatever. But I, I can now appreciate how amazing they are for for the tension of what's not being said. And you know the reader, the reader begins to understand that in their own subconscious eventually. Mm-hmm. So you don't need, you don't need it to be a definitive ending. You need yeah. it to pose questions to you, and you need it to have a kind of an open aspect and a nod off into the future. And you can't see over that hill. That's what I love about it. You can't see exactly as far ahead as to what's going to happen. Yeah. And I love when a short story does that. And you'll see it with a lot of beginners when they start to write. They don't do that at the end of a short story. There's a real ta-da. They think they mm-hmm. have to wrap it up. Mm-hmm. And it's awful cheesy. And then, you know, mm-hmm. that needs to be knocked out of them very politely <laughs> by some awful tutors out there. But yeah, so the short story is great for examining human behavior and the reasons. The embarrassing behavior, the secret behavior, the way that we are not functioning in order to function the way we're dysfunctional in order to be able to function on the the day to day Mm. so it's perfect for you know um, affairs or something going on in work so somebody's hiding or a clandestine hobby or the way that you might be acting out in secret from your loved one because life is full of these strictures and roles that we have to stick to and all this Mm. civilised behaviour that we're morally obliged to perform in order to get through a day or a task or um, a role whether you're a daughter or an employee or whatever the hell you are and I think the short story looks at the breakdown it looks at the fissures and the mm-hmm. cracks it looks at when we can't get it right and things just break to the surface or a secret comes out or you know the the consequences of a, of a strange behavior yeah. um, are made apparent and I think that's what the short story is so good at so that's why they excite me so much and do you think, you know, um, when that happens within that kind of small world of the short story, is it always reflecting something that's happening on a much larger scale? Because a lot of these stories feel like there's this kind of anxiety and, you know, sense of no, lack of security or stability or whatever, and it's being replicated in these relationships, you know, like with, whether it's the loss of parent figures or like the child in Don Watson's story, you know, kind of re- kind of getting this her own sort of structured meaning or whatever through the her counting the steps and everything like yeah I, I do I think I think that that's down to the writer that the writer is almost in a way unbeknownst to the writer themselves is, is used as a vessel for what's happening out there it's the writer picks up on on um on society's on things that are happening in society at that time. Mm. And whether you realise it or not, 
and you're then reflecting that in your stories. You're also reflecting part of your personal history, things that may be going on for you. Mm-hmm. But for instance, you may be um, a, a, a witness to something in your family that you don't want to be witness to, whether that's a child, and you write a story then about a child witnessing some behaviours in the parents or a marriage breaking up or some oddity there in the family or yeah. an abuse or whatever kind of issue. And you know the writer can also go back to that and write a story about that years later they've never dealt with that themselves. I find it's a very psychological form. Mm. It's very, it's almost like psychotherapy. I hate to sound cheesy about it, but it is. And you will, you will write things that are very reflective in the society of the time without even realising it. Yeah, when I wrote so much about that baby the fe- yeah. from the fetal point of view, that was, you know, before the whole repeal thing. Yeah. And you're picking up on what's going on or what's not being talked about and what needs to be talked about. Mm. And you can see that very much reflected in the stories in the anthology. Yeah. in the themes that are there you know and say for instance that story about the raise, raising balloons that story is very violent mm. the balloon and animals yeah yeah it's yeah. crazy it's crazy yeah. raising balloon animals i thought that story was absolutely brilliant yeah it's so disturbing it is so and dark I, I know and it's and yet it's really yeah um she really used laura blaze uh uses um humor to sort of make you think yeah although obviously it's pretty violent from quite early on in the story very but, violent yeah but, but the humor in it as well it just takes you into this strange dark humor place but actually it's you know nothing is sort of um impossible that's happening in it it's sort of unlikely or whatever but um she takes you into this really strange dark world and i think the fact that it's happening in phoenix park mm. you know the fact that it's located somewhere so knowable if you know what i mean yeah makes it all really more disturbing and but also in the dialogue funny. her humor's in the dialogue yeah. and the dialogue actually takes it away from the fantasy realm because yeah. some of the things that happen are so off the wall that you yeah. think they're completely unrealistic yeah. but then are they you turn on yeah. the news you hear these stories you hear yeah. you hear these absolutely wacky court cases that are yeah. going on um i don't think yeah because in the story it's like everything's explained how it's happened so yeah. it's not like oh something just randomly happens and there's no that's maybe that's sort of i was kind of saying it's not unrealistic but it's just yeah it's sort of explained so you're kind of like you know how you've got to that point even though it's completely bonkers or whatever. and you know at the end of the day there's a there's a woman trying to talk herself and to possible kidnappers out of a situation yeah so that's yeah. terrifying yeah <laughs> you know when you think yeah. about how you might handle that and then and then yeah so actually so that story it, to me is about crime the possibility yeah. of crime and criminal damage yeah. and it's about drugs and the drug yeah. trade and all of that but it takes it to a different level yeah. it takes it to a level that you can deal with by reading it yeah um which is also very entertaining but if you wrote a story about some cocaine dealers taking somebody off in a car to kill them that would be really really grim if you yeah, wrote it absolutely as per life it would, it would be, be such horrific. a different story i mean yeah there's absolutely no doubt about it that would like if, yeah if it was a kind of like straight crime story or whatever yeah without the the tiger. Should we read them in the tabloids, <laughs> don't we? Don't need. Yeah. That's what I say to short story writers. Though sometimes look at the tabloids for inspiration for story ideas. Yeah. You cannot get wackier than real life. Yeah. You really can't. Yeah. But that's what makes me so excited about an anthology is is having that kind of mix of themes. Yeah. And um and story styles and form and structure and all that. And that's why we were very keen whenever we put out the call for submissions that we didn't want to impose a theme on it because we were like you know. Well, the writers are the ones who are responding to things, as you were saying, you know, even whether it's consciously or subconsciously. Why would we come along and try and say this is what it's going to be on? Yeah. Because there was no, um, unless, yeah. 
You'd be perfectly within your right to do that. There's nothing wrong with that either. Journals do that all the time. They come yeah. out with a theme for a particular issue. I think it can be a good idea, but as you said, um, then people will, will be writing not as themselves, but to a theme. They'll be setting yeah. out to write. I suppose that's interesting because then everybody's going you know, everybody's going to yeah, interpret that in a different way. But um, we, we sort of felt like it was a bit of a gamble, just going, can we pull this together somehow? And then the stories just came together themselves. Really. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, they're great. And yeah. very, very varied. Yeah. yeah. I mean, wacky. And also, the, it's, it's interesting, I think, that um, we didn't think about... We didn't have an idea in our head. We weren't kind of set. We knew we wanted to publish 20 because that was what our budget was going to allow us to do. But um, um, we, we hadn't thought, okay, we're going to publish 10 women and 10 men or like that. It just, the way it ended up being, I think it's 14 women and six men. No, none of that was intentional. Those were the stories oh, right, that okay, right. appealed to us. Yeah. And um, that was how it ended up. But... So that's it's funny nice. when you're reading them um, and you're reading the blind without looking at who at the names and trying to figure out is it a man or a woman writing them. Yeah, do you think it's obvious each yeah. time? I do, no I do, yeah. yeah. There wasn't one that surprised me. Yeah. By yeah. gender. It's interesting. Yeah. I think yeah, I think people give themselves away in that way. I've in never what tried way to do you think in the style. Well I've never tried to well sometimes the style or the point of view. Yeah. Um I suppose a lot of the stories actually the some of the stories by the men definitely deal with masculinity. Yeah. In a way that probably the stories by the women writers don't to the same extent. Hmm. And and a kind of um struggle to understand what, you know, the role of <laughs> Well that can be it can be a real challenge if you're gonna set out to write a story about something and then just to say to yourself at the last minute right I'm going to switch gender I'm going to write it from a bloke's point of view yeah it can be a really good challenge to do that yeah. it's very hard to do it yeah because you're seeing it from certain eyes I remember even during my own book I didn't have a choice sometimes whether it was going to be through a male or a female point of view but it's mostly mm. female I think yeah book. right no I don't think we have any stories where it is um yeah a man writing from a woman's point of view but um, I think Don Watson's character is gender not specified. Mm. Which is did, which I'm seeing a lot as well at yeah. the moment. Did you did you when you were writing. reading that story, did you have an idea of whether Sam was a I thought well no, I thought Sam was a girl. Yeah. I did think Sam was a girl. Yeah. Uh, only because the sensitivity, but then I thought Sam know. was a girl too. Why then, are you thinking that and where is it coming from? Yeah, because when I look back then I say, well, it's never actually specified, you know, mm. because it's written in the first person, you don't get that third person product. You don't, you're not told that. And and actually the first, because then I thought, oh, maybe it's because of the, she talks to, or see, I'm not even calling her, but yeah. Sam talks to girls, um, at the, you know, when she's at the skipping rope kind of yeah. scene. But actually she talked to boys before that. yeah. Sam talked to boys before this. so it, you know yeah. it's it's completely being imposed in a way I think that's really interesting I it is yeah and uh, I love I love the ones based around work and I loved as well the Andy Warhol yeah. the assistant one <laughs> yeah. that's wacky um, yeah yeah you know because I think it's really hard to get to, to escape some of the Irish themes yeah sometimes you know, mm. as in you've read very little in the workplace, yeah. and look how many how many people work mm -hmm. in an office or mm. in a shoe shop or in a yeah. dentist surgery, 
And when do you ever read a short story that's set in a workplace? It's so true, actually, yeah. I think when people set out to write something, they want to, they set out to write um, based on the action, based on a plot, without thinking yeah. about a setting or... Yeah. They often think, you know, I want to write a story about a couple's breakup, so I'll send them on a holiday and have them break up on a holiday. But yeah. then, you know, yeah. um, you just yeah. don't think of writing about the workplace. And I always yeah. found that interesting. That is, both detachment and the Andy Warhol yeah. story are based yeah. in a working situation. Yeah. So I and found also that interesting. the hand of the Andes in a yeah. sort of, it's about a working situation, I suppose. Um, although very different because of the setting, in a way. It's not mm. something we traditionally associate with it's not like yeah like an office that you're in, but, um. I also like sometimes when when people go the interiority when people go right inside for a story and it's just from a very personal perspective mm-hmm. inside the mind mm-hmm. it's like the CCTV cameras turn the other way and it's just reporting on the action inside the person yeah. and nothing else is happening mm-hmm. and Ellie Williams story is very yeah. much in that yeah. vein yeah um, and that it's just all those conversations that go on in your head when you're communicating yeah. outwardly with somebody and yeah. the way that you just over analyze and navel gaze like mad and you know and, and the little kind of game playing that goes on with the language in her head or yeah all, how all that's captured that's brilliant yeah. yeah i love that i know that's somebody way more intelligent than me i'd never i'd never have those interior conversations with myself I have such did you think that's just <laughs> what some people have in their no, head all the time i'm like wow i, I know writers who talk and think like that i just sit at home and think of my thoughts i wouldn't even have to go anywhere if i had that I just, yeah, I just resort to Netflix when it starts getting a bit tough. But um, yeah, no, I loved the intelligence in that yeah. story. Very, very claustrophobic. Yeah. You're yeah. almost like sweating yeah, thinking, Jesus. Do somebody, it really captures that. It does. And I got like, very tense reading it and kind of annoyed at one point. And then I kind of veered off and started roaring and laughing at the walrus yeah, aspect. Yeah. Did you look up to see if there is a live stream of walrus? I didn't. <laughs> I didn't. But, like, <laughs> but uh, I loved that. And I love stories that, that basically bring in the technology that bring in aspects of technology yeah. that we're using yeah. and people again don't do that there isn't enough stories maybe written with the structure of a whatsapp or a linkedin yeah. messages or that's I, you find so few of them when you're yeah. when you're reading through yeah and yet that's probably the kind of way we read words more than anything else every way. single I mean, day yeah we're having full long drawn out conversations on yeah. messenger for five mm. hours of our day or whatever and yet you don't see yeah, them yeah i suppose neve mccabe sort of brings that in a bit in lululu you know where it's yeah the character the son in it is very is he's always aware of his daughter's presence but it's completely through his phone it's never them in person yes that's kind of yeah feeds into the whole sort of loss of relationships for him in that story so but the end of that story just had me in tatters yeah. really had me in tatters yeah. Yeah. I wasn't expecting it yeah and yet I had so much I, I knew I kind of knew there had to be a sad ending but I still wasn't expecting something yeah. to uh, and elicit such an emotional response in me yeah. and that's how I know a short story works at a higher level is when it elicits an yeah. emotional response in the reader that's what you're setting out to do yeah, and if you do right. that you've won and it's that story is a really good example of a story that kind of shuffles the time sequence very well because you know the way yes. that it kind of juxtaposes her as she is for him in his present or whatever with how she was in the sense of so uh, strong and confident and articulate and how you know that that sort of you know uses that structure really well I think yeah and time is a big issue in the short story itself because um, mm. you you'll hear very often when you do courses that it can only be 
you know, the timeline has to be very strict and short. It can only be over like a few hours or a day or, um, you know, never, you, you don't go years. You don't go years over a short story yeah. in a short story. It doesn't have that kind of breadth or length yeah. or, you know, longevity. Mm-hmm. It has mm-hmm. to be, you're taking the, the lens and you're the, of the kaleidoscope and you're going right into just a specific moment in time. And I forget that, and that's very hard to do. When you see in a story like Detachment, he's talking about years, mm-hmm. but at the same time, he's talking about that moment of yeah. detachment. But it's, and yeah. then, yeah, so is it or is it not taking place over a very short period of time? Yeah, you and lose Time that. is a massive issue in a short story. Yeah, that's so true, yeah. That's something he does really well. He kind of, yeah, you, you kind of experience that loss of time along with the character, yeah. Yeah. Like Ellie's done really well there by doing it. It, mm-hmm. it is only like what is it an hour or two of correspondence? Mm-hmm. And yeah, that's, that's what you're told. You're only limited to do yeah. in a short story, and that's very hard to set out to write something mm-hmm. so specific. And somebody like Claire Keegan would say you can't go back in time. She would be right. You can't really tell a backstory. Every paragraph has to be action pushing forward. In the, sh- that, the, in the, the short story. D- so you hear all yeah, these yeah. different rules and regulations, yeah. and then you hear it's all about the unsaid. You hear yeah. that there's binaries going on, there's always two stories going on, and that they have to meet somewhere in the middle before fanning out. It's yeah. like a feathering yeah. of plot. That's also another uh, so-called rule in the short story. And I think what's so exciting now is that everybody's breaking those rules. Yeah. And that's down to the disparate forms of communication and how we're leading our lives. Yeah. Do you know, that's because mm. um, nothing is, is taking place. Um, you know, we don't have a normal working day anymore. We're not doing nine to yeah, fives. Absolutely. We don't. Yeah. I and remember going to work going and, and you had to turn off your phone. You weren't, we, we weren't mm. allowed on the internet and you had to yeah. just perform your crappy job from, from nine to five. That's not yeah. happening anymore. No. So all these other ways are coming in and that's making our short story structures and how we tell stories it's having a huge impact yeah and you realize that when you go back and you read somebody like Claire Keegan that mm-hmm. the traditional form of telling the short story um was very traditional and very limited but then mm-hmm. it's so powerful you go back and read her stories and you're going oh my god should we not have a return to that mm-hmm. because I think sometimes what happens people in a short story now they get so carried away with clever writing, they actually forget to tell a story. Mm. So that's my one rule is tell a tell story. Something. Whatever mm. you do, stop flaunting your own abilities and your own, your own writing talent. You know, at the end of the day, if you're not telling a story, jump yeah. off the boat. You know, yeah. you have to be able to just tell a story. Yeah. The reader wants a story, the reader demands that. The reader doesn't know you, doesn't know anything mm. about you most of the time. And yeah. what they want is, is that feeling of, of being entertained and that feeling of satisfaction when you get to the end of a short story that it, it has brought you somewhere in your mind. Yeah. I think Wendy Erskine's very good for that and I loved her story. It's very disparate. Again, that's yeah. told in a very experimental style. Yeah. But it's still telling a story. There's a good example of a story that goes back in time. Yeah. yeah, but it's piecing together and it's piecing going together forward. Something. Yeah, it's going forward and it, it's yeah, it's moving in two directions at once. It's Yeah, it's brilliant. I love that story. Mm. Yeah. Um, that's a really a real kind of character driven story isn't totally, it totally yeah you know, that it's um and so um um through those kind of fragments that she uses really does really kind of 
recreate the world and the people in it, you know, even though that's what, like 40 years ago that she's writing about? Yeah. 1980s Belfast. Is but really it's told through something that's found recently, so therefore yeah. it's told memory is the retrospective, memory yeah. is, the, is the piece of nostalgia that is yeah. the engine of nostalgia that enables the story to happen. Yeah. And I think writers do forget a lot of the time that if you, you can use structure as an architecture in which to hang your story. Yeah. Do you know, somebody sent me a story a while ago about an alcoholic and it was just all over the place and they were like, their argument was, yeah, well, you know, the alcoholic is all over the place. And I'm like, well, think about it. Would you go back and apply a 12-step structure? Mm-hmm what they do in AA to yeah. your short story it'll give you a great architect right yeah to, and yeah. follow the each of the steps and give an example of what the person's yeah. tried to do and how they've made yeah. a mess of it how yeah. they've succeeded and not succeeded yeah and they went back and did that and they were like oh that's great sometimes you do need you can get so carried away with where the story brings you because you're not in control a lot of the time yeah with where the story might bring you and your job as a short story writer is to stay in control, is to apply some control to the telling of the story. Mm-hmm. Because when you, you can write brilliantly all you like, um, but if it just goes off in too many tangents and is too weird, you will lose the reader. Yeah. And that's a real danger, mm-hmm. you know? So yeah. that's, that's real tricky to get that right. Yeah. But other than that, I don't think there really are solid rules. Yeah. And we're seeing that more and more with mm-hmm. um, how stories have been written. And the anthology is a very good example. Of that, of yeah, the, uh, look at somebody like Lauren Foley, yeah, Molly. The Molly yeah. story is told really yeah. through, through the architecture of a children's story. Yeah, and it's something that's really uncomfortable. It's a theme yeah. that's really uncomfortable. Yeah, it's a sex story to- yeah. hung on the architecture of a children's story. Yeah. Now that's very controversial and very dodgy to do, but then that makes the story both. Um, horribly entertaining and familiar as mm-hmm. well as uncomfortable it's very strange yeah. what that story does to you and it opens a lot of questions in a way without sort of feeling it necessary to you know tie everything up and you know it leaves everything very open doesn't it mm. as well. um, even though it has some really quite you know um, you know it doesn't shy away from describing details and explicit explicit <laughs> details exactly yeah um, yeah Joanna Walsh's as well is very much interior, but it's mm-hmm. yeah, it's very much a monologue yeah. in many respects. Yeah. About somebody who's sick, and they're the conversation. Sometimes when life presents you with a really mm-hmm. sticky situation, you're yeah. you're off in your head having those monologues. You're talking yeah. to yourself because you're the best person to have a conversation with. Sometimes when life proves too much yeah. or too challenging, and the short story again is very good. Yeah. It's not dissimilar to a play, is it? You know, really, mm-hmm. it's it's very dramatic as a form and then you yeah. have to present the reader with some kind of dilemma and then you either have to solve that or not solve mm-hmm. it and yeah yeah and the, the, your main protagonist has to kind of change in some way by the end so yeah. that, that follows that's very yeah. very true to how drama works yeah and she's managed to do a lot in in quite a short scene like it is kind of one scene isn't it yeah. Although, but it completely captures that sort of dysfunctional aspect and so yeah, yeah, yeah. Shall shall we leave it there? Is yeah, that do okay? you want? Yes, so we can. Thank you so much. Okay, yeah. great stuff. Mm-hmm.